I don't know uh, what God is going to do, but I know that the enemy knows that he's going to do something because he is on attack this morning. I'm not saying that he is here because the Holy Spirit's here. However, I will tell you this, uh, when things start going wrong, um, I have learned in ministry that that means things are about to go right. And we just got to stay faithful. We just got to stay to the book. And that's what we're going to do this morning. But we continue our series called Picking Up the Pieces. Picking up the pieces, okay? Last week, we set the table on how to react when trials come into our life. Now, we learned that our present perspective must be aligned with God's word. And we talked about how so often that we can get into a storm of life, so often tragedy can hit, so often we can, we can become persecuted and have trials and everything happen in our life. Not, there's also times where it's because of our sin, but let me just tell you something. Even as a faithful, God-fearing, walking with the Lord each and every day Christian, you will come across difficult times. I don't care what the, what the street preachers say and the, and the TV preachers say. I don't care what all these people want to build this big crowd by telling them that it's all going to be okay. Let me just tell you something. It's not always going to be good, but God is always good. So our present perspective, when things go down, listen, we must understand what is going on in that moment. That is that we have joy knowing that the trial produces maturity. We go to God for the wisdom that we need, knowing that he will give it to us freely. And we display the hope that we have in Christ to a hopeless world. Which led to having a proper future perspective. If you look right here in James 1.12, you don't have to turn there. It's on the screen. It says, blessed is the man that endureth temptation. For when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. Now that crown of life, you, you may say, well, what is that? Well, that is simply eternal life. And I want you to understand something before we go any further, that you are going to have an eternity. And there are only two options for eternity, Jesus or no Jesus. The outcome of, of, of those two is heaven or hell. You say, well, preacher, I don't, like, I don't like the preacher talking about hell. I don't like talking about hell either. And I'll tell you why I don't want, because I don't want you to go there, so I have to to warn you. So I've got to make sure that you understand there are consequences to our sin. There are consequences to to rejecting Christ. The Bible says, he that hath the Son hath life. He that does not have the Son does not have life. So this crown of life that we want from the Lord, that is eternal life because we have endured with him through this life. Paul, who knew something about trials and suffering, wrote Romans 8, 19, one of my favorite verses in all the Bible, for I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. You say, well, preacher, you don't know what I'm going through. Preacher, you don't know the pain that I'm feeling right now. It's never going to end, preacher. This trial is, I I I can't see the light at the end of it. I want you to understand something. I may be able to empathize with you, But Paul could truly sympathize. Paul was persecuted, tried. And what he said is, I have figured in my head, I have figured in my life. I I reckon is an accounting term. So he says, I have figured. He's actually studied up, he's thought about it, he's pondered that what I'm going through now is not worthy to be compared to what is to come. In other words, hey, listen, there is light at the end of that tunnel. 
and his name is Jesus, and he can be with you now as well. What a beautiful truth, a sure hope that we can hold on to when life gets difficult, and life will get difficult. Today, we turn our attention to another area of trial, and we set the table last week And we're going to be going over a whole bunch of areas of life that we need to react to properly and biblically. But we're going to talk about personal trials today. James 1 again set the table so that so when that trials do come, how to remain in joy, how do we how do we pick up the pieces of our life when they are just falling down? Well, today we're going to talk about how to do that. And and the, the way to do that is we must keep our integrity. We must keep our integrity. What is integrity? If you look up the definition, it'll say something kind of like this right here. The quality of being honest and having strong moral principles, moral uprightness. An example, he is known to be a man of integrity. Do you know what I have found? I have found that definitions aren't that powerful unless lived out. You understand what I'm saying? If you've ever been in school, listen, I was one of those people, man, I, I, could, I could memorize a vocab list, right? I could look at it, I could memorize it, I could ace that test, but those words didn't mean anything to me. See, a lot of times in our Christian life, we take biblical principles, biblical words that hold power if walked out in our life, and we dumb them down to just a definition. For example, we say sanctification all the time. That's the process of becoming more and more like Christ until your glorification takes place in heaven. You you, you say, well, how do we dumb that down? We talk about it, but we somehow don't ever take steps in that direction. We may know what sanctification is, but are we living it out? Does anyone understand what I'm saying this morning? But that sounds really good, right? I mean, I can't, the quality of being honest, that's good. Having strong moral principles, that's awesome. Being upright, hey, that's all good. If you were like me, however, again, it may help to pass a vocab test, but it may not help uh, pass a test in life. A better meaning of integrity is this. Integrity is when you align your actions within your beliefs. Real quick, I have right here a banana or bananas, plural. Anyone ever had a banana? If if your potassium is low, eat a banana. Amen? Okay. But this right here is a banana. So I had Brother Kenny go and get a banana. Kenny, how did you know where the bananas were? Okay, but when you got to the fruit, how did you know this was not an apple? It's a, it's a banana. Okay. You don't, I promise you this, Kenny. That was not a trick question. You, you passed the test, okay? But listen, seriously, look. We, we, we'll, we'll go buy a banana, and then we'll take them home. And then sometimes in the morning time or whenever you want to eat a banana, right, you, you, you trust that this banana has integrity. You say, what in, what in the world are you talking about? You trust that when you start peeling this banana, there's going to be a banana there. Amen? Could you imagine peeling this banana and there being an oddly shaped apple? I mean, think about it for a second. But when you, when you open this banana, there's a banana. That is called integrity. Right? As a matter of integrity is when you align your actions with your beliefs. Now, listen, I understand that this ain't going to get up and walk places, but I'm just trying to illustrate to you that, that as Christians, we ought to be what we say we are. So often, though, so here's the banana. Anyone can have this at the end if it's not nasty. Is my beautiful assistant ready? Well, give my wife a hand. 
Thank you. Now, this right here is a, a pie. Mm. Some of y'all like pies too much, you know what I'm saying? But listen, hey, this is a pie. Right? Everyone see it? It's a pie. Now, that looks good, don't it? My goodness gracious, look at that pie right there. Do y'all see the pie? You act like y'all don't like pie. So look, so let's say that this is another Christian, right? There was one Christian, they're a banana, okay? You peel the banana, you get a banana. But let's say that, man, we offer the world this right here, a beautiful-looking, a well-dressed, well-spoken, knows all the do's and the don'ts, knows all the lingo. But then once life kind of takes some stabs at it, once life, and I, sh- I really should have got a plate, but once life starts kind of digging in, because that's what trials are, life kind of taking their hits at you, and upon further investigation, what you find is, sorry, Miss Janice. Now, does that still look appetizing to you? Let me, let me, just, let me just give you all a piece of this beautiful pie. Would you like a piece of pie? Okay. Y'all seeing that? Y'all seeing that? For those of you that, hey, listen, this pie, this pie lost its beauty, didn't it? Some of y'all were literally thinking you're going to get some pie, and you're like, this is the one day I've made it to church. This is the time I'm going to enjoy church, right? Listen, hey, but right there, look, this is what we do so often as Christians. We put on this great show. We put on this beautiful look, right? We put, we put on all these things. We put on a nice clothes. We, we, we know when to raise our hand. We know all the songs on K-Love. We know all this. We know all that. But all of a sudden, when life starts to get in the way, when life starts to offer trials, when life starts to make things a little bit difficult, what happens is we lose our integrity. Our actions no longer match our beliefs. And let me just tell you something. Your belief is only as strong as your actions. Integrity is essential in the storms of life. To match your actions with your beliefs is the first step in picking up the pieces of your life. So we're going to look at our text today. Then we're going to break it down on how we can maintain our integrity. Amen? If you're in 1 Peter chapter 3, we're going to read verses 13 through 17. If you're there, say, read. And who is he that will harm you? If ye be followers of that which is good. But and if ye suffer for righteousness sake, happy are ye. And be not afraid of their terror, neither be troubled. But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear, having a good conscience that whereas they speak evil of you as of evildoers, that they may be ashamed that falsely accuse your good conversation in Christ. For it is better if the will of God be so that ye suffer for well-doing than for evildoing. The theme is picking up the pieces, but the title specifically this morning is Maintaining Integrity. Let's pray. Father, I thank you, Lord, for this day. Thank you for this beautiful morning, God. Thank you for those that are here. God, I pray right now, God, that we can dig into your word, God, and really understand and examine, do our actions match our beliefs? Because deep down, we know that our beliefs always match match our actions. So, God, may we learn how to maintain integrity in the midst of the trial. May we learn for those in Scripture that 
have failed before us and have succeeded before us, God, as examples to us on how we can succeed. God, we thank you and we love you. Lord, there's somebody here who is lost. They died right now, they go to hell. God, I pray today, if nothing else, I pray today is a day of salvation. God, I thank you for my salvation. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. If you remember, James was writing to the scattered Jewish believers. Last week, we talked about that, and we talked about how they were placed into pagan society, right? Heathen society, idolatrous society. So trials come uh, with that. But, but here, who is Peter talking to? Who is Peter writing to? Well, Peter 1.1 says this. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to the strangers scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. In other words, he is writing to a very similar group of people. Peter here is also speaking to believers who are strangers to this world. Strangers in this world. Why are they strangers? Because as believers, our citizenship is in heaven. But while we are here, we will face trials. So again, how do we maintain integrity? Three things today. First off, we're going to see the encouragement of Scripture. Look at verse 13 and 14 again. The encouragement of Scripture. And who is he that will harm you? Isn't that good right there? Just for a second. That's my kind of, that's my kind of, that is my kind of statement right there. Who is he that can harm you? Think about it. Who can hurt you? Who can touch you? Now, now, what we like to do in the modern church is we like to take that verse and we like to cut it up in two. We like to say, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm one of God's children. Who can harm me? But we want to live exactly how we want to live. That's not what it says here. Let's keep reading. And who is he that will harm you if ye be followers of that which is good? But, and if you suffer for righteousness' sake, happy are ye, and be not afraid of their terror, neither be troubled. Peter here is talking about suffering in this life. And this theme of suffering echoes throughout this entire letter. As a matter of fact, in 1 Peter 1.6, it says this, Wherein ye greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, ye are in heaviness through manifold temptations. In other words, you're going to face all kinds of trials. First uh, Peter 2.12 says, Having your conversation honest among the Gentiles, that whereas they speak against you as evildoers, they may by your good works, which they shall behold, glorify God in the day of visitations. In other words, we will find that we will be accused of wrongdoing. May it not be true. Amen. First Peter 2.15 says this, for so is the will of God, that with well-doing you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men. In other words, the ignorant talks of foolish men. First Peter 2.19 says this, for this is thankworthy. If a man for conscience toward God endure grief, suffering wrongfully. Throughout these verses, we see that living in a sinful society will bring about certain sufferings. Can I tell you right now, and again, this is not political, this is not, this is not partisan, this is nothing. We are living in a sinful society. And as believers who are called to be holy as he is holy, there are going to come times of suffering in this sinful society. Why? Because we are contrary to it. We, we are a, a barrier 
to it. We are a wall that is put up to push back against that evil. I'll never forget it. At Gridiron, uh, we were talking about, or, or the, uh, the preacher, I forget exactly which preacher it was, but he was talking about how the men of the church, the men, the Christian men in their families uh, should be the ones who are pushing back against the evil to protect their homes. You say, what does that mean? Listen, you're not going to stop the evil. God's will is going to come to pass. This world is going to be destroyed. But until then, you know what we can do? We can push back against it. It, we, we, not just get into a corner, not to just uh, 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 just get into the church house and stay in the church house and, and stay huddled up together so that no evil touches us and no evil comes our way. No, we ought to go out and push back against it. But embedded within all these things that Peter is writing, I mean, he, he's telling you what's going to happen. He's telling you that, that you're going to get accused. He's telling you that you're going to go through trials. He's telling you, all these things that are going to happen to you as believers. He's talking to the brethren. He's talking to those who follow Christ. But embedded within these verses, we see, think about what we see, greatly rejoice. Be honest. So is the will of God. This is thankworthy. You may be here today and you say, preacher, I can't, I don't even know what that means. I, how can I give thanks with what's going on? Because as much change is going on and much trial and suffering that is going on, you can hold assured that God will never change and that he is good yesterday, today, and forevermore. What encouragement we can draw from God's word. But the greatest of these today is this. Look, it says right here, and and, and who is he that will harm you if you be followers of that which is good? Who can harm us? Who can touch one of God's children? If so, God allowed it, and the result is a stronger faith than him. We talked about Job last week. But obviously, we know that we can endure physical, emotional, and spiritual warfare. We can persevere through it. Church, the battle was real. You might have woken up today battling. You might have come to church within the battle. You might have just got over a battle. You may not know it, but you're about to go into a battle. But we do not have to be scared of that battle. Listen, I've watched war movies. You ever watched war movies? And I'm just going to be quite transparent with you. God did not build me for that. No, no, no. I'll be a chaplain. I'll preach to them before they go. But listen, hey, there takes a certain level of person to run straight into danger. Every time I watch a war movie, it, it, never, it never ceases to amaze me. It, those are the kind of people that you want to be like. You're like, man, I want that dude's bravery. I, I want that person's uh, courage, man. I don't, how do they not just crumble in the midst of that pressure, in the midst of that danger, in the midst of that evil? How do they not crumble? I didn't interview any veterans or anything, but I have talked to plenty of veterans to know it's because that they understand what could happen if they don't. Amen. It's because they understand the impact because other people will not they have to. And they understand that because that what they're doing it for is a good purpose, that they can go in knowing that if I die, it was for a good purpose. Let me just tell you something. We can, we can take a lot of that in the Christian life. 
We can go push back against evil. Why? Because who else is going to? Who else is going to protect your kids? Who else is going to protect your, your spouse? Who else is going to protect your grandkids? If we don't push back church, who's going to? As a matter of fact, and, and we can have a theological debate if you want, but I'm just going to tell you right now, as a matter of fact, when this world gets really bad, you know what God's going to do? He's going to take away that wall. He's going to take the church. So until he does that, hey, hey, who else is going to? Guys, we got to have the purpose. we got to have the mindset of it doesn't matter the danger. It doesn't matter the evil. We have a responsibility Amen. to go. Who can harm us? Integrity to the Lord is our weapon. Or as verse 13 says, followers of that which is good. Verse 14 and 15 says this, but and if ye suffer for righteousness' sake, happy are ye, and be not afraid of the terror, neither be troubled, but sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. Church, right here we see that if we go through sufferings, which we will, if, the, if that suffering is for righteousness' sake, happy we can be. And the way that we cannot be afraid and not be troubled is by setting Christ as Lord in our hearts, first and foremost in our life. Do you know why so many people falter and, and fall to the wayside when trials come? Because they have not been acclimated to putting Jesus first. Yeah, have you ever, uh, anyone ever experienced a change in seasons? I don't even understand how y'all don't answer those kind of questions. Every time. Anyone ever drink water? Mm, no. More of a Coca-Cola kind of guy. No, listen. Seriously, think about this. <laughs> I've always, I always say this. When you go from fall to winter to spring, right, it's pretty good. You can put a hoodie on. You know what I'm saying? When it gets cold, you can put a hoodie on. You can put a beanie on, put some gloves on. You know what I'm saying? Like, if you'll see me here in a little bit when it gets cold. I got a big old pea coat that I walk in looking all professional as a pastor. You know what I'm saying? Like, you can, you can do things to help you in the cold. You can get acclimated. But let me just tell you something. When it goes to spring to summer, mm, it's hot. When it reaches that like 72 degrees after it's been like frozen for the rest, of, you know what I'm saying? And, and you're out there and you're thinking, my goodness, what is happening? You're, you're wiping the sweat off. And you're like, man, I just, I don't know. I'm going back inside. And we struggle when the heat gets turned up. Why? Because our bodies have not acclimated to that yet. We've been used to the cold. Listen, as Christians, we got to quit getting used to the coldness of the Christian life. We got to quit being lukewarm, and we got to get up into the heat of the battle and get acclimated fighting for Jesus. You understand what I'm saying? Amen. Hey, oh, Listen, if y'all going to clap, you can clap. If you're not, just don't. Thank you, though, Kenny. I appreciate that, brother. But seriously, we got to get acclimated. You say, well, I don't know if I can. Well, what could suffering look like? Because they aren't persecuting us on a level that they were persecuting these believers. I'm not trying to undermine your trial. I'm not trying to undermine your suffering, but they're not going around cutting your head off. I'm just being honest. They're not going around taking your kids from you. They're not going around burning your house down. We're not going to walk through the Lebanon Square and see Christians lighting the square up by being lit on fire. That's not happening. Here. 
So what does suffering look like? What does persecuting look like? Well, by the way, at least not yet. And, and I'm not one. Listen, I know some, some of the old folks be like, yeah, it's about to get bad up in here. They're about to nuke us. I'm like, man, I'm still young. I got a little bit of life to live. I'm, you know, to live is Christ dies game, but you're making me a little bit upset right now. Right? I guess if I'm going to go, it might be a nuke because they say you don't feel it. You know what I'm saying? But I, I want to be on the touchdown part of it. You know what I'm saying? I want to be looking at it. I'm not trying to die slowly from radiation. Y'all laughing at some crazy stuff right now. But seriously, what does persecution look like? How about standing for Christ in your marriage when your spouse refuses to do so? That could cause suffering in your marriage. That could cause trials. How about standing up for Christ to your children when you haven't done so before? That can cause trials in your home. Oh, well, that doesn't bother me. Well, if that's, not, if that's the case, then why aren't you taking a stand? Because let's get honest, following that which is good can cause tension in this world, even amongst the people you love. Notice when they asked Jesus, they said, they said Lord, hey, your family's over here. And it's a hard scripture to, to swallow right here. They said, come see your family. They want to see you. And Jesus said, my family are those who do the Father's will. So what that tells me is this. Even in the midst of your own home, suffering can happen just by you standing up for Jesus. Taking a stand for Christ in your workplace. Well, Jacob, what if I get fired? I, I have to provide for my family. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Be not afraid of the terror. Neither be troubled. Taking a stand for Christ in that ungodly relationship or friendship. Well, what if they leave me? Be not afraid of their terror. Neither be troubled. When we maintain our integrity, when we follow after that which is good, when we match our actions to our beliefs, we have no reason to fear. Look at verse 16 and 17. Having a good conscience that... Whereas they speak evil of you, as of evildoers, they may be ashamed that falsely accuse your good conversation in Christ. For it is better, if the will of God be so, that ye suffer for well-doing than for evil doing. If by following Christ we suffer, then what he's saying is, so be it. That's our encouragement in Scripture. We're going to also see number two. We're moving right along this morning the examples that we can find in Scripture. See, there are many examples of believers maintaining integrity even during trials and persecutions. Think about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. We, we, we hear that story all the time. It's one of my favorite stories in all the Bible. But yet, do we truly understand what was going on in that moment? Nebuchadnezzar, the king, says, hey, when you hear the music, you're going to bow down to this golden image of myself that I put up here. And that's the rule. That's the law. That's what you are to do. And in my mind, I could just see uh, thousands and thousands of people just standing there waiting for the music to be played. And all of a sudden, there goes the music. Those three boys had a decision to make. Maintain their integrity or lose their integrity. Because there's no doubt in my mind 
that they could have bowed down, but in their minds and in their hearts and to each other say, well, we're bowing down because, you know, we, we, we don't want to get in too much trouble, but, but we know how we believe. But, 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 but we know that we, we serve the one true God. But that's, that's not maintaining, maintaining integrity. That's not matching your actions to your beliefs, is it? So what did they do when that music started playing? All those people bowing down to that false image, bowing down to that false idol, and all you see is three boys just standing. Whew. If that don't get you, I don't know what will. They maintained their integrity. Daniel, when he came into captivity, they took all the smart ones, all the good-looking ones, all the ones that had potential, and they were going to make them good Babylonians. They said, you're going to eat differently, you're going to talk differently, you're going to think differently. We're going to name you different names. Daniel had the mindset, you can do whatever you want to do to me. But I serve the one true living God. And he said, I'm not going to eat of the king's meat. I'm not going to eat of the king's wine. You know what God did? God blessed him. Later in life, Daniel continued to pray three times a day, openly three times a day. But there was a decree that said, hey, you know what? We're not going to pray to the Lord. We're not going to, we're going to only uh, worship. We're going to only be faithful to the king. And, and, and so they made a decree. They, they kind of snuck it in. They were very deceptive about it. But either way, it became law. But Daniel had a decision to make. Do I just pray quietly to myself? Do I just take a step back from the window that I usually pray in outwardly? And, and what do I do? Well, hold on. To maintain integrity, you know what he did? He didn't change a thing. He prayed each time like he did before. That's maintaining integrity. Their actions match their belief. How about the disciples in Acts 4 getting threatened for preaching, by the way? Getting threatened. They weren't beat up yet until a little bit later. They were beat up at that time and imprisoned. But you got to think they were preaching God's way. They were doing exactly what Jesus told them to do before he left. And they were threatened and imprisoned and beat up. And you know what the Bible says? It's one, another one of my favorites. I just love the Bible, amen. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's just good stuff. But after they got out of prison, they went away, and they were rejoicing that they were found worthy to suffer for Christ's sake. They maintained their integrity. I want that kind of integrity. I want that kind of faith. You say, well, that sounds really good. Well, we also have examples of believers not maintaining their integrity. How about Abram lying about his wife to Pharaoh? He had a decision to make. Now, there's some crazy, crazy things about that text that I was looking up just to make sure I understood. People saying, oh, well, you know, it was a law, but it, 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 it was, a, it was a, a justified law. There is no justified sin, church. You understand what I'm saying? In other words, he was saying, I don't trust God to protect me, so I got to lie about something. He lost his integrity. His actions did not, uh, did not go with his beliefs. How about Ananias and, and Sapphira lying about what they made on their possession? As everyone else is selling their possession, not because they were commanded to, but because that was on their heart. By the way, you should not give because you're commanded to, and I ask you to. You should give because God is so given freely to you, and it's on your heart. Listen, you, you got a church that struggles, and this is not a giving message, but this is a giving text that I'm talking about, point. But listen, you got a church that struggles giving. You got a church that doesn't realize who's the giver. Simple as that. 
But what did they do? They sold a possession. What they did, they had a decision to make. Do we give it all to the church? Do we give some of it to the church? Do we give half of it, a quarter of it? What do we give? You know what's funny? If you look at that text, it didn't even matter. What mattered is their integrity was lost by them lying about what they made on it. So what they did is they said, I made this because that's what they gave the church, but really they made more and they kept it back. Peter even told them, hey, when it was in your possession, was it not yours? Why do you lie against the Holy Spirit? You know what happened to them? They dropped dead. You said, no, no, for real. One after the other. Folks, you do realize that God does not take lying and sinning very lightly. That is why he sent the only begotten son. How about Peter acting in hypocrisy, teaching one thing with the Gentiles and then teaching another to the Jewish believers? It got so bad as so that Paul in Galatians 2 had to call him out as a hypocrite. He lost his integrity. But for today, for the greatest loss of integrity, and if you could get this this queued up real quick, we need to look no further than the writer of this letter, 1 Peter. Whenever you're ready. He has a decision to make. I've seen you before. You know him. No. I don't know him. You called him Rabbi? He's nothing to do with me. You know him. I've seen you with him. I don't know him. Peter. Deny me three times. Don't be afraid. Take him to Pilate. Could you imagine? Are you missing out on earning statement credits or extra rewards from your American Express card membership? No, I have not. But anyway, but seriously, could you imagine? In that moment, he had a decision to make. Let's just set the setting here. Denying the one you have followed for about three years, who taught you so much about truth, the way of eternal life, who did exactly what he warned you that he was going to have to do, and that was die for the sins of the entire world. And in that moment, as he's looking to the Savior, as he's looking to the Messiah, he had a decision. Take the suffering or deny him. Well, what I love about that video resource is that you can see in his mind he wanted so bad to go to Jesus and try to protect him. He wanted so bad to, 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 to stop what was going on, but he also knew the consequence of standing up for Christ in that moment. So he denied the Savior. His actions did not match his belief. Instead of standing up for Christ in the midst of the trials, he ran. Now, the good news is, is that's not where the story ended, is it? See, God restored Peter. 
And as a matter of fact, it was Peter in Acts chapter 2 who preached at Pentecost. And through the preaching at Pentecost, the church was formed and exploded. I want you to know something, church. No matter what you have done in the past, the times you allowed fear, doubt, confusion to control you, the times that instead of standing up for the Savior who saved you, you deny him in your life. You lose your integrity. I want to tell you today, God can restore you. And this leads to our last example, the one that makes us able to make it possible. We see the example of the Savior. Look at verse 18 in 1 Peter. For Christ also hath once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but quickened by the Spirit. You know what I love about that verse? For Christ suffered once. You know, all it took was Calvary to save us eternally. You say, all it took. No, 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 I'm not making that lightly. That one horrific, horrible, terrible act they did to our Savior by crucifying the perfect one, the sacrificial lamb, the substitute for us. That's all Christ will ever suffer. To offer access to the Father, he died but was made alive. In this life, I want you to understand something. As believers of Jesus, we will suffer. Please hear me today. I'm not going to tell you anything but the truth. Just because you follow Christ does not mean that everything will be perfect and okay in your life. Everything will be, you can have joy in everything. You can have wisdom in everything. You can have hope in everything, but you will suffer in this life. We will suffer in this life, but here's the thing. We'll only suffer here. (laughs) We're not going to suffer there. The suffering that we have is only for here. And when the trials come, may we maintain our integrity. May, we, may our actions match our belief. May we display a hope and a walk that puts to shame those who accuse us. May we follow after that which is good. So today, the question is very simple. Have you kept your integrity? Have you maintained your integrity? Have you lost it? You know what I have found? And I have found this over multiple, multiple people that I love, multiple people that I know, multiple, dozens and dozens, if not a hundred people over the past seven years of ministry. This is what I found. For some reason, the easiest thing to drop and to neglect and to run from when the trials of life come is the only thing that can help you, and that is Jesus. And so when that happens, what they do is when you take a step from, away from Jesus, you know what you're going to do? You're going to take a step away from his bride. And when you take a step away from his bride, you're going to fill that void somehow. So you're going to go to things that you never thought you'd go to. You're going to think about things and have mindset that you never thought you'd think like that again. You're going to talk like you never thought you'd talk again. You're going to want to see things that you never thought you'd want to see again. Your, 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 your passions, your desires, the, 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 the beat of your heart is going to go back to where you never thought it'd go back to as a child of God. Why? Because we've lost our integrity. Can we maintain our integrity, church? God 
will restore you. You know how I said I've seen hundreds go through that? Just that right there in life? It's because I've also seen just as much be restored. <laughs> Church, God is good. So with heads bowed and eyes closed all over this place.